Welcome to Brody Sports Talk. My name is Caleb Walgren, and we are recording episode 63 of our fine podcast. I am joined by the excellent Sean Morgan. Uh, I would I would agree. I would agree. I think that's that's a good good assessment. And I am not joined, however, by our Brody and colleague Travis Conaway. Uh, Travis is out this week. Uh, he had a death in the family. Uh, obviously, we never like to hear those things or have to say those things, but uh, we miss you today, Brody, and uh, he, he should be back with us next week. Uh, yeah. Our, our our thoughts, condolences with his family. I know he's had a lot of... It's been a tough year for a lot of people, um, but it's been an especially tough year for him and his family, so... We'll, uh, we'll do our best in your absence. Absolutely. And uh, let's go through the rundown, shall we? Uh, so first, we're going to have, apparently I have Sean segments and then Caleb segments. That's just how they got broken up today. <laughs> so uh, if you like to hear Sean, make sure you listen to the first half of the podcast. Where oh, you love to have, hear Sean. Uh, the first segment I have, I have called A Tale of Two Quarterbacks. That'll be interesting to see what quarterbacks we might potentially discuss there. Then we have the NFL power rankings. Yes. I believe Sean <laughs> likes that segment. Maybe. I, I, like, I like that segment too, if I'm being honest. Uh, then, then we'll have our break. And then we're going to jump into the NFC South review. We looked at the AFC North last week, kind of had a question on each team. NFC South, very interesting Three-way tie for first right now, so that'll be a, an exciting discussion. Then we get to our game of the week. And then Sean and I are going to do NFL picks, and it'll be a little bit different. I feel like it's been a little bit different every I week. know, right? <laughs> always always something crazy. Welcome to 2020. Well, always get, something crazy. The only thing to expect on our show is, the is, a, is a little bit of inconsistency. Uh, but we try our best. Uh, so... Uh, Sean, I will let you go ahead and start the discussion about uh, the tale of two quarterbacks. Right. Well, where one exits the season, another enters. Uh, let's go ahead and first start with the one exiting. I think probably the biggest story of this weekend was the Dak Prescott injury. Uh, very, very brutal to watch. Uh, if you haven't seen a replay of it already, uh, you know, uh, word to the wise caution if you're squeamish it is not a it is not a pretty sight thankfully it does look like it was a clean break um, and he's already out of surgery everything went well but of course he is out for the season now thankfully for him it doesn't look like it's going to be one of those career uh, altering injuries where you can you know like your, your career is done or you may never fully recover, but it is still very brutal. I, I was actually somewhat impressed by the way that not only everybody at the game kind of rallied around him, but the NFL 100% rallied around him. Uh, that can be a, the Cowboys can be a very polarizing team. But I don't feel like people are very polarized on Dak Prescott, the man, at this point. So a lot of support came his way. Jason Garrett, 
uh, ran across to check on him and offer his support during the, like when he, they were seeing what exactly had happened. Uh, what, what did you, did, did you, I don't think you watched that live, but did you check the replay? Have you seen what, what exactly happened? Or is that a little, a little more than you like to see? Uh, I did end up catching the replay as uh, I went through the highlights on YouTube, trying to go through those for every game every week. It sometimes is a little daunting because it's 15 minutes or so a game, but it definitely gives a lot of perspective, especially to teams that are out of market that we don't always see. Fair. Um, I mean, it, it stunk, uh, the injury. It, you could tell something was wrong. Uh, he was grabbing right at the ankle right away. Uh, the training staff needed to come over right away. Probably yeah. the worst injury that I've I've seen in a while. Uh, the one that it reminds me of uh, personally, just because I was watching a game with my buddies back uh, a while ago, was when I don't know if you recognize this name, Sean, but Tyrone Prothrow when he was on Alabama. Uh, he would be the person that everyone remembers when he caught the ball on the back of the Southern Miss players back. And then ESPN showed it on like every commercial for college football, like the next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bama was playing Florida and Florida was ranked and Bama was not good then because it was pre Saban and they were dominating. They were dominating the game. They were blowing them out. Uh, and pro throw went up for a catch in the end zone at the end of the game. And like, you could just tell his leg snapped like between his knee and his foot. And you're like, oh, like you you literally, it was one of those mouth open, gaping hand over mouth injuries for like five, 10 minutes. And they're like, let's go to another replay of that. And you're like, no, (laughs) no more replays, no more alternate angles. Like it's literally one of the worst things because you basically want to say, just go to the commentators don't show the player on the field, even though yes, we want to know they're okay, but we don't really want to focus on all of this. It's not pretty. It's pretty gruesome. And so true. I, I would say I, I'm, I'm a little bit torn about the organization's response because everyone's like, yeah, we're behind Dak hundred percent and we're going to go ahead and make sure he's going to fully recover and come back. And I want to be like, if you're fully behind Dak, maybe you should give him a long-term contract. Yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. you shouldn't have tagged him. It's it's kind of a weird. Like I, I again, I, I don't really like the Cowboys. I don't think that they're a good organization. Um, I think they're actually a very toxic organization, and have proven to be so for a very long time. Now that said, again, I, I know it was what a few weeks back when the whole. Um, Skip Bayless thing happened and I went on my, I think Dak Prescott is an admirable person and a, uh, just a a great figure to have in the NFL, a role model. Uh, And so seeing him go down like this is just terrible. I I donated to his charity that he set up um, after his mother's uh, mother's passing from cancer a couple years back. That's called uh, uh, Faith Fight Finish. And you can find it, um, faithfightfinish.org. Uh, I know that after everything happened, the, like the NFL subreddit went through, posted that, and they received a slew of donations. goes out to help families who have been impacted by uh, a primary caregiver or loved one with cancer. So definitely something that if you have a few bucks to spend or a lot of bucks to spend, definitely throw some money that charity's way. 
Uh, it's a, a fantastic organization, but we now have to look at what does this injury mean for the Dallas Cowboys long-term? How does Andy Dalton go through and perform this season? Who knows, right? Uh, it's, Dalton is the very definition of an average quarterback. You know, the Dalton line was used as a, as a metric to compare uh, quarterbacks to is, are, are you good enough to play in the NFL? But are you also not good enough to be a superstar? then you're Andy Dalton. We'll see what McCarthy does with him. Uh, I don't think their quarterback situation was really anything to be concerned about heading into this. I don't think it's actually going to be anything too different than what Dak was going to bring to the table. Maybe a slight drop-off, but Andy Dalton's still going to win you some football games if your defense can stop somebody. Now, we called this a tale of two quarterbacks, right? So we talked about one quarterback – leaving the league for the season let's talk about one coming back right my uh my comeback player of the year prediction looking pretty good now wouldn't you say yes. uh, even though alex smith did not have the best uh stat line uh going nine for 17 uh 37 yards and getting sacked six times uh you know he actually looked uh looked decent as far as his leg holding up boy do those pictures not look good Right. I don't know if you checked out like any of the articles uh, around his recovery process and everything that he had to go through, but he, he looked like he had a zombie leg. There was no way that you would like ever expect him to play in the NFL again. I, I refuse to look at the pictures. I, I think that I would not sleep at night if I looked at those pictures. Eh, they're not they're not that brutal but i will say that they are not uh again they're if you're if you're squeamish they're they're not for you and i mean if you can have a uh you know a a front line like the rams hit you six times then and still still make it then you know props to those uh to those surgeons those doctors who repaired his leg you know it, it took a beating my question for you, right, and kind of the, to sum up this whole segment, we have one quarterback coming in, we have one quarterback leaving. Right now, only one win separates these two teams, and you have to say, arguably, Washington, even though they've surrendered like 30 points in each of their four losses, technically, they have a bit of a better defense than the Cowboys do right now. So... Who is in the more envious situation from a quarterback perspective? To you, anyway. And how much more? What's the difference there? I would say that the more envious quarterback situation currently is actually having Andy Dalton. And it's less about Andy Dalton and more about what they have around Andy Dalton. I mean, we've said that the skill position and the Dallas's offense could put up numbers, period. It wasn't necessarily Dak. I mean, you've got Zeke in the backfield. Pollard is a backup who can do amazing things. Cooper, Gallup, C.D. Lamb, you know, they're going pulling out backup tight ends like Dalton Schultz, who's looking like he may be a pro bowler this year. You're seeing, you know, other receivers get in on the action. They're not just a three-wide team. And – I also think McCarthy is an offensive head coach, and that is a big plus and advantage over Ron Rivera. I Rivera may very well be a, a, a good coach, 
but he's a defensive coach. He wasn't ever the one coaching Cam Newton and getting him to do those things when they went on their Super Bowl run when Newton won MVP. He just didn't stop the offense from doing it the way that they wanted to because it was working. So I, if I have to pick one right now, I'm going to lean with Andy Dalton. That's just so awkward to say out loud. Isn't it though? And, but it's also, I don't know. I I thought it was interesting calling it this segment because in, in the quote that starts the book, of course it starts, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Seeing Alex Smith step on the field in the early section of games was really gratifying. Like you saw his family kind of stand up and give him uh, a standing O because there wasn't that many people in the stadium in Washington. (laughs) And it was exciting. And then you got to the afternoon games and you saw what happened to Dak and you were just kind of like, I would have really loved for everyone to just be able to come into this week with positivity. I love trying to talk about positivity and optimism and just talk about what Alex Smith did in returning to the field. Unfortunately, Dak's injury is the bigger deal and it did overshadow what happened for Alex Smith. Now, one final question. How many, so the, does anybody really know what the whole Haskins situation will actually turn out to be? And how many games do you think Alex Smith starts for the Washington Redskins? Or sorry, they're not the Redskins yeah. anymore. The Washington football team. Yep. I think it's the first time I've made that mistake since they've changed their name. Um, so how many, how many games do you think that they start or that he starts? Well, they they actually have said that Allen's going to start again this week. So who knows has what it been, has it been announced? I, I I was trying to find an article about that a little bit earlier, but I didn't see anything. I believe I had seen that on Roto World earlier this week that uh, Rivera came out on Monday and he was just like, "Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and start Allen again." You know, he awesome. got knocked out of the game, and let's see if he decides he was held to try to... the game in what is one of the most overquoted terms of the year: an abundance of caution. Yeah, I mean, okay, well, thanks. it turns out trying means. to, well, I mean, it turns out trying to, you know, go through and um, pretend that you're a, a lance and try to, to spear uh, Jalen Ramsey doesn't really work out uh, very well if you're a quarterback. Uh, but, you know. I would out, like Josh Allen to take that challenge. <laughs> <laughs> the Allen challenge. Yes. But yeah, so that's, uh, so, so is it, uh, is it time to talk about? Is it time to talk about power rankings? I think. Uh, if we're going to talk about people spearing each other, I think we should definitely be talking about power rankings. I think it's time for power rankings. Here we go. Well, uh, I do this spiel every week, right? Because I assume that we always have at least one new listener who doesn't know what power rankings are, but is very familiar with the NFL. So I have to go through and I have to do this, right? So if you're not familiar with power rankings, the collective group of us, myself, Caleb, Travis, go through and we rank all 32 NFL teams, one through 32, based on where we think they stand respectively to one another. In addition, we include the collective rankings of the guys over at Clutch Crew Sports to kind of form as an overall Brody Sports Talk power rankings. So we aggregate them, and then we go through and present them each week on the podcast. We separate them into four tiers. We have uh, eight teams in each tier, 
the top tier or top tier is the playoff tier. These are eight teams that we think are going to make the playoffs based on their current performance. Second group is the aspiring tier teams that we think have playoff aspirations, but for one reason or another, haven't quite guaranteed that. We have the third and uh, tiers, the wavering tier. These are teams that would be aspiring, but they have more than one issue that they need to shore up. Finally, we have the basement tier. These are teams as it stands now have no chance of making the playoffs in their current state of performance. So let's go ahead and start by saying we have a new team at number one that has not been number one at all for us this season. And I'm sure Caleb will be very happy to hear that's coming in at number one, his Green Bay Packers. Yeah. He's, doing a, he's doing a dance right now. We're not doing video today, so you can't see it. Uh, coming be in at grateful. Number... <laughs> you don't want to see me dance. <laughs> you have been spared. Coming in at number two, the Seattle Seahawks, number three, the uh, now-defeated Kansas City Chiefs, number four, Baltimore Ravens, number five, Pittsburgh Steelers, six, the winning Tennessee Titans after we're recording this on the 13th. So we actually just watched them uh, manhandle the Bills. Coming in at number seven, the just aforementioned Buffalo Bills. And finally, rounding out the playoff tier, the Los Angeles Rams. Wow. So originally, uh, Caleb, you were pretty high on the Bills heading into uh, this weekend. And I know a lot of people were expecting them to go through and with the Titans having that layoff and kind of the whole uncertainty around how much have they practiced, how much were they prepared. Uh, the Titans came out and just completely shut a very, very um, like good Bills team that's carrying a lot of momentum. So what are your thoughts on the Bills now, both heading into this week and then after seeing their performance against the Titans? So I definitely was high on the Bills. I was going to put them up up at the top of the list because I, I do believe in their defense and I do think Josh Allen is having a career year so far. That being said, they definitely did not impress and looked pretty sloppy against a Titans team. Uh, they were struggling to get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, so I believe that their weaknesses have kind of come out a little bit more in the open. Uh, Allen wasn't finding people short. He, I think he was trying to force the ball deep. And he had been looking good throwing the ball deep. Diggs, Beasley, uh, John Brown. John Brown was out this game. Uh, Tredavious White was also out this game. I think they said that the top two Bills corners were out and it sure made Ryan Tannehill look a heck of a lot better than <laughs> uh, he would have having two corners. Uh, also, I do have to just say, if you have not watched that game, find the highlight where Derrick Henry completely just pushed Josh Norman over with one hand on a stiff arm. I believe it happened in the second quarter. It was one of the best plays in a long time because literally he's carrying the ball in one arm just reaches out pushes norman's shoulder and he just goes flying back like a I yard mean, or two and it was I, that, epic that's gone to sum up i think derrick henry right i mean it's just the these stiff arms like what do you think you're doing trying to tackle me one-on-one -on -one? <laughs> get it get away right you need two or three four more people like go, go ask him your teammates to come over and tackle uh you know i think again you kind of hit the nail on the head the bill's Issues have started to pop up. I know when we did the game of the week with the Raiders and Bills, I was the only one to have picked the Raiders. Ended up being wrong. 
But I think some of the things that I suspected about the Bills we got to see, the Bills do not have a very balanced offense. And I think if you shut down what Josh Allen's been able to do, then suddenly you're looking at a running back core that really hasn't been producing very much. So now, now you're seeing what that looks like. Is this the blueprint for how to beat the Bills going forward? You know, I, I think that's been the blueprint from the start. And a lot of people saw that, but they weren't able to really execute. The Titans have the defensive prowess, both from a talent and a schematic perspective, to execute that. Now, moving on to our aspiring tier. Uh, from 9 through 16, we have the Cleveland Browns, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New Orleans Saints, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, Chicago Bears, Arizona Cardinals, Indianapolis Colts, and finally, at number 16, rounding out this tier, the New England Patriots. Now, I know you and I, especially, we're very high on the Cardinals. We think that coaching is great. We think that Kyler Murray is great. Uh, they are three and two, and they have some wins over some pretty bad teams right now and some losses to teams that uh, really haven't been too highly regarded. So a lot of people have them kind of in this, in this like mid-tier um, 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th. I, I mean, I sell them at 19th on one power ranking set. And I was just like, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. So I'm, I'm a still actually pretty high on the Cardinals. Um, I know the 49ers win looks worse and worse on paper as weeks go through, but they did look incredibly impressive in that game. I know they just lost to the Panthers by 10, but the Panthers have been playing some really, really good football since McCaffrey went down. So uh, I think that they're going into Dallas this weekend. I think they win comfortably, right? And I think their offensive attack, I think uh, Murray's fantastic. I think they have a fantastic wide receiver core. I don't think the turnover differential is a problem right now. I think it is going to be a problem if they can't get some turnovers against the Rams, against the Seahawks. They haven't played them yet. So getting those turnovers against big teams – Right, that's going to give me a better, maybe some better perspective on how good the Cardinals actually are. I think they're going to be four and two heading into uh, to play the Seahawks. Um, they host them. I think that's going to be a very competitive game, and I think that actually is going to be Seattle's first loss. Do you agree with that or disagree with that? I, I think the big question with the Cardinals is which Kyler Murray shows up for the game. Uh, I feel like we've had a couple of Kyler Murray games where you go, holy cow, this kid is definitely in the MVP discussion. His legs, how he can get those first downs. Some of his passes are just elite passes. He's got great touch on the ball. And then you have like the Lions game. <laughs> and you throw where, three picks against the Lions. Yeah, you just throw three picks and they're not good picks. Like they're no. not, they're not even in the right vicinity. I, I'm torn because when you say that they're going to upset Seattle, we're talking about Pete Carroll. He's kind of a secondary coach. He's got a good defense. And I'm curious if they're going to have Jamal Adams back. So I think that Jamal Adams coming back can make a big difference for the Seahawks defense. He's got a good, they've got a good defense. No, I'm saying that he can make a difference for the Seahawks defense. Okay. Because in general, that game could easily be first one to 50 wins, but 
you know, maybe Jamal Adams times a, a blitz and forces Murray to have a bad pass or forces a fumble. You know, I think it only takes a mistake or two in that game for someone to swing the tide. I'm just, I feel like Murray is showing some of those warts of being a second year quarterback where people go, yeah, we have at this point 20 games of NFL film on you. And so we can see what's worked and what hasn't a little bit. And that's, that's fair. Right, that's absolutely fair. I think that if you look at the Cardinals' schedule, and we, we talked about this earlier in the, in the season, before the season started, the Cards do have a very favorable schedule. So I think that if they can get a W there, uh, and, they're, and they're hosting Seattle, right? So I, I feel like that's going to really, really catapult their season and kind of entrench that they are a playoff-caliber team. Uh, moving on down to the wavering tier. Again, these are teams that would like to aspire to the playoffs, but right now they are on the outside looking in. Uh, number 17 through 24, we have the Carolina Panthers, Miami Dolphins, San Francisco 49ers, Philadelphia Eagles, Minnesota Vikings, Los Angeles Chargers, Houston Texans, and finally at number 24, the Dallas Cowboys. So, I know that the 49ers have had their fair share of struggles this season. Uh, they are beat up uh, everywhere. Right? Everywhere is beat up. And they've had some pretty ugly losses to teams that they probably shouldn't have lost to. You ranked them number 25. That is technically a actually a, a six places below where they ended up finishing up. So I know they only have some wins against New York teams, but 25 is, that's the basement tier. Caleb, walk me through what about this 49ers team should be like incredibly discouraging to, to San Francisco fans right now. Uh, I'll, I'll say two things. Quarterback play and injuries. I, I don't know if they rushed Jimmy G back or what the heck happened there this past week, but uh, Fitzmagic was by far the best quarterback on the field. And when you give up 43 points at home to the Dolphins, that is sad. That's, that's uh, not a good scoreline. No, no, um, no offense to the Dolphins. That is not a good scoreline. Uh, you know, Jimmy G got benched partway through the game in the game that they just played at home against the Eagles. You know, Nick Mullins got benched for CJ Bethard. Um, I don't see anyone coming through that door. That's going to save them. Now, that position. Their offensive line is an injury riddle turnstile right now. And Ooh. I do not envy anybody who is going to be starting quarterback for the 49ers right now. Uh, they are in a brutal division and have one of the roughest schedules this year. You know, so one of the things that happens when you make the Super Bowl. And, you know, I, this is, I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head preseason. You had the 49ers dropping off big. I disagreed with you. I will eat crow. I know that this isn't the reason that you thought they would fall this hard but it's happening so props to you for that prediction uh i will i will tip the hat that i'm not wearing uh finally rounding out our basement tier again these are the teams that 
for lack of a better word, they suck. Uh, coming in at number 25, we have the Detroit Lions. Uh, 26, Cincinnati Bengals. Washington football team, 27. 28, Broncos. Uh, 29, the Jacksonville Jaguars. 30, Atlanta Falcons. And the bottom two on pretty much everybody's power rankings, the New York Giants and the New York Jets. So we actually, for the most part, across all, uh, all of us that are contributing to these power rankings, had a pretty consistent view of these bottom teams. But I want to actually go through and highlight a team that has kind of bounced between the wavering tier and the basement tier this season for us, and that is the Detroit Lions. So they're, they're coming off a bye, right? They're one in three. There's been a lot of heat, a lot of heat on Matt Patricia for good reason, right? He's been statistically one of their worst head coaches in recent memory. That said, you are seeing some signs of life, but is it enough? There's kind of been a precedent set this year that teams are okay with letting their coaches go based on early season missteps, right? That usually doesn't happen as often. And if you don't make that coaching spot available, you could potentially lose some good candidates to some of these other teams that have already let their coach go. So my question here for you, Caleb, and I'll respond after I get your answer. The next six games that the Lions play at Jacksonville, at Atlanta, they host the Colts, at Minneapolis, they host Washington, at Carolina. So my question for you, and I can repeat these games if I need to, is how many of these do the Lions win? And does Matt Patricia get fired during this six-game stretch? First and foremost, uh, I'm going to say that there are three wins in that, in that group. Uh, I believe you said at Jacksonville. I, I don't trust Jacksonville at all right now. They, I think they had a fluky first win against the Colts because people weren't used to playing defense and the Colts defense, uh, except for this past week has looked a lot better <laughs> than, than they did in that first week game. So I think the Jags are, are going to be a loss or will, will lose. Um, the next game you said, so one that I had them winning Atlanta, Atlanta. So they, they, yeah, they, I think they're going to be able to beat Atlanta as well. I, I just don't know how Atlanta turns it around. I, I'm not I, – I don't believe in Raheem. I don't think that he's going to take his 17-31 and 31 record and turn around a team that has been horrible. Uh, I really don't understand why they made the defensive coordinator the interim head coach when the defense has been the biggest part of the problem on the team. Uh, I would have rather them given the keys to, to Dirk Cutter Sometimes it's just who the who is is who the players are like behind, right? Interim interim coaches sometimes it's, it's who, it's who's weird. the who's the coach that has the best relationship with the players to try to avoid like any sort of tumultuous situation where you have like a a divide between players. So that's usually why you'll sometimes see maybe not necessarily the best coach, but the best personnel guy ends up kind of feeling that interim spot. Um, and, so that's uh, two. That's two wins, right? Win at win at Jacksonville. Win in Atlanta. They host the Colts. No. Okay. 
They travel to Minneapolis. I, I think that's an L as well. Minnesota's looked a lot better the last couple of weeks than they did to start the season. This is true. Uh, host Washington. That's the other win. I travel. Think that they can... they, so, so lost at Carolina. Okay. So three and three puts them at a uh, what? So there, there'd be. I four, believe it'd be four and seven. Four and seven. Does a at any point in time during this stretch, does Matt Patricia get fired? I mean, Patricia's definitely on uh, hot seat watch. Uh, the other teams in the basement that have to be on hot seat watch are the Jets with Gase and uh, the Jaguars with Marone. Uh, I, I don't see Patricia getting fired there, especially because I think he comes out and wins these next two. I think in general that just makes it look better. It's like, oh, well, they, they did get to three and four, and then they stumbled a little bit more after that. Um, God, that has to suck for Lions fans, right? I don't know how many Lions fans we have listening, but that has to absolutely suck that they are like, Patricia is obviously not the answer. And I think that that writing has been on the wall since about the midpoint of last season. And for, for Lions fans to go through and say, why are we having to play two of the worst football teams in the NFL over the next two games when we desperately need this coach to go? So the so the but, but the, the interim coach bounce is pretty real, but I don't know if it happens week two. So um, I'm actually thinking that uh, the Lions go two and four. I have them losing either one of the games to Jacksonville, Atlanta, or Washington. Don't know which one. Uh, it sounds very Lionsy. It does, and, and losing to Atlanta seems like a very Lions thing to have happen. And. Like the especially oh you lost to an interim coach and watch them lose by like double digits right and it's something where it's like completely unforgivable and then Patricia gets the axe that was really what it feels like it's going to happen to me but knowing the Lions' luck they're going to go through this six game stretch three and three and three two and four and Patricia stays and you know they win these next two games and you're exactly right it feels really awkward to let him go at that point. And then, you know, the Lions miss out on some potentially good prospects. So, uh, um, that, Do you have the, the Lions schedule up, Sean? Uh, I, have, I have their next – I just noted their next six. I don't have their okay. full schedule up. Um, I was curious because uh, where we're at in the season, that should be right up around Thanksgiving. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Panthers game is on the 22nd of November. Oh God! They have a they have a brutal stretch to to close. Um, I mean, you've got they they travel to Chicago. I thought they travel to Tennessee. Um, they host you guys, and then they host the Bucks and the yeah. Vikings. I mean, the, 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 and the Texans look like you know they're a bounce back team for sure. Yeah, well I mean, the Texans right look now. like we were we were expecting them to look as opposed to how they look to start the season. So, you I, know, and I think that that's my issue is I think that they don't want necessarily to have an interim coach at Thanksgiving when they actually get like the game that everyone watches the lions play the one game that everyone cares about seeing Detroit play football. I mean, they're, and I think, Pat- game. I, I think that, you know, maybe after that game, that might be where you see some of the tipping point and they go, let's give our fans something to be thankful for. Bye bye, Matt Patricia. All right. Well, that will wrap up our power rankings for this week. So if you think that we are on the ball, perfect power rankings, I agree. Uh, well, I agree with my contributions. I mean, Caleb's leaves some 
room for uh, to be desired. But uh, reach out to us on Twitter at Brody Talk. Tell us what you think. If you think they're great, great. If you think they're not, Caleb can deal with that. Uh, that's his. That's his job. That's what he, I is, do. Uh, he is the official Brody Sports Talk social media manager. And uh, look, listen in next week as we go and evaluate all the craziness that happens week to week in the NFL. Absolutely. And we'll be right back after this break with the NFC South review. Welcome back to Brody Sports Talk. And we're going to just jump right into our NFC South review. Uh, we do have three teams at three and two in the division. That would be the New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Carolina Panthers. And then that one 0-5 team in the division, Ofer. the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, so even though it's a little bit inverse of what we had in the power rankings, uh, the Saints technically would be the division winner if the playoffs were to start today. And we have them at 11th in our power rankings. And my question for Sean is, we've seen some oddness this year with Sean Payton in the offense. Uh, it kind of started a little bit more last year. Uh, Taysom Hill, he finally got his first touchdown on uh, Monday Night Football last night, uh, breaking through on a, a clutch rushing touchdown towards the end of the game against the Chargers. But uh, my question in general is, should the Taysom Hill experiment come to an end? I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head with uh, getting that getting that game tire. That's huge, right? But it's tough. He's 30. He's been around long enough for all the teams that are in the division to know how to play against him. And he has enough game tape to where when you see the Saints line up in the Wildcat, you know what's coming, right? So I think the problem right now isn't necessarily Taysom Hill as much as it is the play calling with him feels very stale. And he hasn't really made any significantly like big plays or uh, spotlight plays outside of what happened Monday night. Uh, I don't think necessarily that the experiment should end. Peyton considers him to be a very valuable player and an integral part of that offense the way that he sees it. So I think that the play calling and his usage needs to be timed better if we want this experiment to continue successfully people generally have very short memories. Uh, all he needs to do is make a few big plays that lead to a win. They'll forget all about this issue at the beginning of the season. And I think that they'll be reminded of the reason why Peyton uses Taysom Hill this way. I think the interesting dynamic is going to be if something happens to Drew Brees where he can't finish out the season or misses a significant stretch does Jameis Winston come on and does Taysom Hill continue to fulfill this role or does Hill suddenly get the nod as a more conventional quarterback? I think Winston still gets the nod. I think Hill's role is very, very defined. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think there still needs to be a little bit more time this season before I am, would pull the plug if I'm Sean Payton. I think I'm a little bit torn uh about the Taysom Hill experiment because in my opinion part of why you like to have your quarterback get the ball in his hands every play is because of the impact that they can have on the game in my opinion not snapping to Drew Brees is a mistake Drew Brees is going to be a first hall of famer for a reason 
He's got many NFL records. And he's I, – I know that we've joked about him not throwing downfield this year, but he's – clearly the Saints have not been doing completely abysmal on offense. They're three and two. They're in first in the division. I would – I think I just want Taysom Hill – at running back or wide receiver if he's going to be in the game. You know, let him go and have some shots where he goes down the field and see if Breeze hits him on a deep shot when maybe someone's playing up on him. And then maybe you do the sideways pass and then Taysom Hill also throws it forward after that. But And, and those are, I mean, th- th- those are all play calling things, right? Those exactly. are all schematic and play calling things. He's still on the field. That's the reason I say I don't necessarily think the, you know, quote-unquote experiment should end. But you, you and I, I think, both agree that the play calling is stale, the utilization is stale, and that Peyton needs to open up the playbook a bit and think about some ways to introduce Hill that aren't necessarily the wildcat and just basic. Because, I mean, teams have, have figured it out, right? I mean, teams have always figured out the wildcat after a season, it feels. Uh, just before we close on the Saints, uh, I do have to say a couple of things. Uh, Michael Thomas, stop punching your teammates. And uh, Alvin Kamara uh, totally should be in the MVP discussion. I don't know if people have him in the discussion because I feel like people are only talking about the top quarterbacks because that's what you uh, do. The top quarterbacks have been good. And the top, I mean, the other top. Rodgers, Mahomes, you know, those are easy names to go to. Kamara should be up there circling around that discussion as well. I think the other running backs also, aside from Kamara, haven't stood out enough to warrant being in the discussion. And so it's really hard to uh, include a running back in that conversation when you don't have a whole lot else from that position in the spotlight. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Then we go to the team that is in second and would currently miss the playoffs if the playoffs start today. Uh, but that is the 10th to rank team in our power rankings, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's just part of the power of the NFC right there. Uh, they would be losing the tiebreaker to the Cardinals. And it's interesting. Uh, the Buccaneers, you know, consistently missing out on the playoffs the, the past couple of years. Bruce Arians was brought in as kind of this quarterback whisperer to work with Jameis Winston last year decided, yeah, you know, I don't have to have Jameis. Uh, they decided to bring in someone with a little bit more playoff experience. A little bit more pedigree. <laughs> in uh, Tom Brady, or Tampa Brady, uh, depending on what you feel like saying about him. And my question is just, has he changed anything in that offense? Has he, is he really making that big of a difference for this Buccaneers team? So I think one of the, and this is a kind of a two-part answer, right? The first thing that he brings is consistency. And when I say he brings consistency, the pick sixes are still there. So Tampa fans are used to, to watching those happen, right? You guys still get those. Congratulations. They didn't fully leave. Uh, but I think that Brady has changed something that Jameis really couldn't. And that's the mentality of this offense. So much rise. And, and I mean, if you guys have listened to this podcast before, you know the uh, American football isn't my primary sport of, of passion and interest. Soccer is. One of the big things that comes with playing soccer 
his confidence, and on-the-pitch mentality. If you are a leader and you are a proven leader, players will look to you in situations when things get rough. When you're behind and you need a big play to win or to equalize, or if you are winning and you need to keep your foot on the gas. Winston was inconsistent, and players could not count on him to know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. He would try too much, and he would give up the pick, right? You don't see that with Brady. If Brady throws a pick, usually it's because he's old as crap, and the ball was underthrown, or he just, like, it's a... It's a different type of mistake, right? And you don't see him go through and like sulk immediately after the play, especially if they're behind. He wants to get the ball back in his hands. He's a proven winner. Winston did not have that. So I think that that's the biggest change that they've seen. Now, is his offensive production equal or better? I mean, that's arguable. I, I mean, it's probably not. Okay, I don't think Brady gives you the same sort of offensive flexibility that Winston did. But he's a commanding presence under center. He is as veteran as it gets. And players know what he's accomplished and can buy into and believe that he's been there. And whatever he's saying in the huddle is going to be the right thing to do. There's no, uh, there, there's no like issue with... I don't think that's the right play or I don't like what you're saying. I don't know. Brady to me is the very, very definition of a winning quarterback as clear cut as you can possibly get in NFL history. Why wouldn't he have changed anything? I, I, I'm, I think it's interesting. I know you brought up a lot of what the intangibles leadership confidence um like you said if he throws a pick he's he's not sulking he's usually yelling at someone uh you know i feel like that's part of what gives him that reputation that sometimes people like him sometimes people don't uh what i found interesting i i I had to look at his qbr i was trying to figure out what metric would be really easy to compare to Jameis last year. And right now, Brady is 21st in QBR, and Jameis Winston was 16th last year. And so I, I feel like, in general, the, the offseason attitude was something along the lines of what happened when LeBron joined Miami. Like, it was Tom Brady's here, the Bucks are going 14 and two. We're going to the Super Bowl. We are the best team ever. And I mean, that would, I, I, that would have been the like, case. Maybe pump the brakes on that. Yeah. I mean, maybe that would have been the case if Brady was like mid thirties, not mid forties. Um, I mean, this would be like uh, at this point, LeBron James playing for the Lakers for another couple of years. And then you're like, you know what? I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take my talents to uh, the Knicks. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I, I mean, no, no, that'd be like Brady going to the jets. Um, oh, I mean, that's the, true. The, yeah. The bucks weren't that, I'd be like saying, you know what? I'm going to take my talents to Charlotte um, or like so, somewhere where like, I don't know. They've just been middling for a while. Jacksonville. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. Sorry, um, Zach. Yeah, I know. Sorry, sorry, man. Sorry. We're we're we, we love you. We promise. Uh, but no, your your QBR. Yeah, I mean, again, you're. I I don't. It's one. It's really early in the season. Right. I, I agree. It it just was tough because I saw like Justin Herbert's at like fifteenth and was over fifteen points ahead of Tom Brady and QBR, and I'm like, that's really weird to me. To just, I mean, obviously it's early. Herbert's only had what four starts now. He's lost all of them. Uh, and the end, in the end, that's what matters, right? Is getting the W. Exactly. Right? It doesn't matter. You can go through and like think of all the teams that have made and won the Super Bowl with quarterbacks that were essentially caretakers of a good <laughs> defense. And the Bucks have a good defense right now. So all they needed was a quarterback who doesn't throw 30 interceptions in a season. Yeah, their defense is a little bit banged up this year, and that's, I think, part of why we're seeing them in closer contests. But if they would have had Winston, I don't think they would be 3-2, and two, and I think we both would agree on that. Yeah, I 100%. Um, let's move over to our last 3-2 and two, two team, the surprising 3-2 and two team, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Christian McCaffrey got hurt in the second game. He did. They were 0-2, and I think it would have been really easy for us to jump on the pod and say, well, let's uh, go ahead and eliminate the Carolina Panthers from playoff contention and just write them off for the year. And they were they were in our bottom five um, power ranking-wise, I think, like really early on. Pretty much, I think, at week two, they were like 27th or 28th. And uh, they're back up to 17th. You know, they, they have a chance of being up. into the aspiring tier if they can get a win this week. Uh, my question was, is just who's the MVP of the team through five weeks? Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, no question. Um, so after the McCaffrey injury week two, I mean, the success of Carolina's offense 100% goes through Teddy Bridgewater. Um, Panthers are third in passing offense right now, twenty or 281.8 uh, yards per game. In those three wins, Bridgewater has a 5-1 uh, touchdown interception ratio. I mean, three wins are against the Chargers, Cardinals, and Falcons. Now, I get that the Chargers um, have looked uh, – or are, their record, I think, doesn't necessarily show how good they actually are. The Cardinals are a team that I've touted, uh, and the Falcons are the, currently the Falcons right now. So they're not the greatest wins, but they're wins, right? Bridgewater, he doesn't have a big arm. He's not the flashiest playmaker, but he contains the football. He gives his wide receivers the best opportunity to make big plays. And when you're a quarterback in a team that is currently exceeding expectation based on either personnel issues or injuries, that is the exact thing that you need is you need your quarterback to give your skill players the best opportunity to make big plays and win you football games. The NFC South is unstable teams that are three and two, you know, it was three teams that are three and two, and none of them look like they are going to be world beaters and have deep playoff runs. So if Bridgewater keeps succeeding, given the Panthers have a reasonably decent schedule, they could be looking at a playoff berth. So I'm very impressed with Bridgewater. I, I'm very impressed with Matt Rule, um, but obviously I can't really give him the MVP thing. Uh, but Bridgewater, hands down, has been the MVP, I think, of this team. Uh, I, I can't disagree. Uh, I was looking at 
some of the advanced stats on him. He's throwing it mostly within zero to 10 yards, sometimes going 11 to 20, keeping it close, high completion percentage. I believe 73% right now. It's the second highest completion percentage in all of the NFL of full-time quarterbacks. I mean, I'm really impressed with how the running back uh, has stepped up. His name is escaping me right now. Uh, But the other name that I had to bring to the table, uh, at least defensively, was Brian Burns. I I know I was not sold on Brian Burns when he came out in the draft. I believe he came out last year in the 2019 draft. Uh, Unfortunately, it looks like he may be out with a concussion this week against the Bears. But uh, the past few weeks when uh, they had had uh, their three wins – He had combined for uh, two sacks and eight quarterback hits and two forced fumbles. That's good numbers. Yeah. And that's including a sack and a forced fumble in the game against Atlanta where he only played 16 snaps because he left the game with a concussion. (laughs) So uh, also they showed him as being one of the fastest players at getting to the quarterback. They said he got to the quarterback in – two and a half seconds in one of his sacks this year. Uh, that is not a, not something you want to lose defensively. No. And I think that it's very underrated because, uh, and one thing I would have to give credit to the Panthers, I had a tough time figuring out where to go with this question because you look around at the team and you go, Mike Davis is doing good at running back. Robbie Anderson is doing pretty good at receiver. Teddy Bridgewater is, you know, not – I wouldn't call him an elite quarterback, but he's playing really well. He's been he's like, been Bridgewater-esque. Like, like everyone is playing above average. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get to three and two, winning the last three games in a row. Uh, I, I'm curious if we would have had a full preseason, what they would actually look like. Could they have gotten another win in those first two weeks when they were kind of still trying to piece everything together on the field? That's fair. It, it, it's definitely possible. Uh, the Panthers... I'm excited to see what happens because they're definitely putting things together faster than I think most people expected in Carolina. I mean, if, uh, I mean, if the Panthers keep this up, rule could be in the coach of the year discussions. Absolutely. I think if they make the playoffs, he, he at least has to be top five easily for, for that discussion. Someone who's not in the coach of the year discussions. (laughs) Uh, let's go because not even in the coach discussions anymore yeah uh number 30th on the power rings we had the atlanta falcons uh dan quinn thomas dimitrioff both fired later um they have an interesting stretch i feel like we've talked about some of these games uh just as they've come across they're they're going up and so they have the falcons or not, the, they are the Falcons. <laughs> Playing at Minnesota, host Detroit. Uh, then they play at Carolina, host the Broncos. Someone's got to win that game. Uh, then they play at the Saints, host the Raiders, and host the Saints. Like, it's it's not an easy stretch. Like, and then in their last four, they get the – they play at the Chargers, at the Chiefs, and host the Buccaneers and go at the Buccaneers. Um, it's part of why I have a tough time seeing them bounce back. You would 
really hoped that they would have had a win at this point, <laughs> whether it was this past Sunday against the Panthers or when they played the Cowboys in the game that will forever be known for the watermelon kick uh, as they lost 40 to 39 and another Dan Quinn Chokorama. Uh, when, when do you see them getting their first win? That's that schedule is not nice. And I, I mean, you, you did kind of throw out earlier when we were talking about Detroit, that you felt like that was a solid chance. If let's say they they don't get that one, when do you see them winning? The Broncos. So actually, and the funny thing is, um, like for so let's 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 do this right. So uh, Julio Jones is likely out until week eight, right? I know that the injury that he's been dealing with um, that there really hasn't been a, an accurate timetable that's given. But, you know, given that their, uh, that their bye week is essentially week eight, um, it gives him plenty of time to, to rest, rehabilitate, come out ready. So at Vikings, home against the Lions, at Panthers, I mean, it's the NFL. Those are still technically three winnable games. Doesn't say they're going to win, but those are technically winnable games. I don't put the Falcons really in the same tier of personnel being bad as I do like the Jets and the Giants, uh, where it seems like they are uh, Giants less so, but the Jets are like without hope. Uh, the Falcons have a brutal stretch, but I don't think that their team is inherently like terrible. That said, you know, it's it's tough to look at your entire schedule and see them winning more than two games. It's true. It is not not a pretty schedule for them coming up. Uh, the other question is, obviously, we don't know who they're going to look to bring in. But uh, do you think that they should do a complete rebuild, kind of blow it up and, and start fresh? Yes. So... I mean, long answer short is is basically yes. It's really tough to get rid of Matt Ryan right now, right? His contract's big. Releasing him is about a 20% cap hit over the next few seasons. It's like $40 million. You, don't, you don't want that, right? Uh, however, the aforementioned Jones is ripe for being traded for some draft capital. Uh, if they're wanting long-term success, they need to look at some securing some high-value prospects in the draft. And I very much think that they are going to be picking top four. I, they they saw their first round draft pick, right? They didn't they didn't go through and you know. Uh, no, they have not to, traded that away that I am aware of. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't Texans it up. Okay, um, so <laughs> I mean that's that's a Justin Fields or a Trevor Lawrence coming to Atlanta, and if they can go through and they can secure a good offensive mind. I hear that there's some uh, there's some coordinators in Kansas City or in Baltimore that are prime head coaching candidates. They get a young quarterback that can sit behind Matt Ryan for a year or two. They're in good shape. Again, this is a team that is not nearly as bad on paper as they have been in their performances. All of the games that they've lost practically until just recently – you know, those are their chokes where the team has like basically given up a lead. They were still winning these football games until they weren't. 
So you have to remember that, that, you know, if a, if your problem is bad coaching, you got rid of the coach. So there's probably going to be a bit of a bounce back. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that interim coach bounce and they go into Minnesota and win. But that, that's, that's my thought. Yes, they need to do a rebuild. Yes, they need to continue to, quote-unquote, tank for Trevor. What's the, other, what's the term for, for Justin Fields that's going around? There? I know it's tank for Trevor, but there's I, w- a- I would call it flunk for Fields, but I don't know that that's actually being used. But Fail for I mean, Fields? <laughs> yeah, fail for Fields. I like it. Uh, I, I mean, I can't, I can't see them really, like, doing – I mean, Blank's a, a smart guy. He's made reasonably decent decisions as an owner and is very well respected. I can't see him going through and being comfortable completely tanking, but I also can't see him saying, you know what? I'm going to continue to be middling and kind of fade away from relevance with this very, very aging roster. Absolutely. Um, I did just look in the the Falcons do have a potential out, not after this season, but after next season. Uh, it would still be fairly hard as far as the, you know, overall cap hit, but it would only be like twenty million overall versus next like next year it is forty plus mil or yeah, whatever to get rid of him. Like br- but you're I, not I, doing I that. I don't think you get rid of Ryan though, right? I, I get that he's not nearly the player that he once was. But you look at all of the situations with good quarterbacks right now in the NFL, none of them were thrown into the fire, right? You look at Mahomes, he sat. Lamar Jackson, technically sat-ish. You look at, I mean, we'll see how good Jordan Love ends up being, right? Uh, You know, really, you need to have a veteran quarterback, there to go through and showcase hey this is what you do in the nfl and this is how you do it matt ryan is a tenured smart quarterback who has had very above average seasons and has shown that he is capable of being a winner and any rookie quarterback would be very very lucky to learn from him i don't think that i don't think get cutting him and getting rid of him is the right call unless it is absolutely necessary. I think trading your high-profile player, that's the direction that you go. Apparently cutting, you know, star players is only acceptable if it's Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, as I say, uh, it's, only a, it's only a Bell thing. Um, all right, well, let's move over to our game of the week, which actually features a team from this division. Uh, we are going with the uh, what is currently slated to be an afternoon game. Who knows what's going to happen with Never games know. week to week as we have, you know, no Thursday night football, but we had Tuesday night football tonight. And we, we don't claim to know what's going to happen with the schedule, y'all. Um, but we have Packers at Buccaneers, uh, Rodgers versus Brady, you know, the the number one team from our power rankings versus the number 10. So two top 10 teams. Uh, Sean, who do you have as your X factors for this contest in Tampa Bay? So before I say that, I, I wanted to interrupt um, when you were talking about how crazy the schedule is. 
And I was going to say, even Hank Williams Jr. doesn't know when all of his rowdy friends are going to come over. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So X factors, right? X factors. So for me, offensively for the Bucs, I think it's, it's going to be Godwin, Chris Godwin. So returns from a hamstring injury and the Bucs, if the Bucs want to win, they're going to need to keep up with the Green Bay Packers offense. Packers are leading the NFL 38 points per game. They have looked monstrous on offense consistently. And so if we get into a shootout situation, big plays are going to be key. Godwin's a big playmaker. So I think how he performs is really going to dictate how many points you see the Bucks put up on the board. Uh, and on the same note for offense, I think that Aaron Jones is going to be the big key for the Green Bay Packers. The Bucks have only surrendered 215 yards so far to opposing running backs this season. That is not a whole lot through five games. That's second best in the NFL right now. The Packers want to win. They're going to need some offensive balance. It cannot be entirely the Aaron Rodgers show. So I think Jones is going to need to come up big here, and we'll see if that ends up being the case. Do you agree or disagree with those offensive X factors? Um, As far as offensive X factors, uh, just have to toss out for the Packers. Devontae Adams should be back. I think that in general, uh, when you talk about players that you want to feed, I think feed Devontae is definitely going to be something I'm going to be screaming at the screen like every five minutes or more. Uh, just because he's that good. It's it's really tough. Uh, I feel like the Bucks defense has done really well this year because they've been able to get turnovers. And Rodgers doesn't usually throw the ball to the other team. So it'll be interesting to see if, without any turnovers, how the Bucks defense looks this week. Uh, but Aaron Jones definitely, we need to get him going. Uh, the offensive line versus the defensive line is going to be a, a big power struggle in the trenches. Uh, and Godwin's, I mean, Godwin Evans, Scotty Miller, whoever you want to talk about at receiver, it's not going to be easy to stop that Bucks offense. Nope. Uh, well, speaking of trying to stop the Bucks offense, so my defensive X factors for the Packers, uh, the big one for me is Darnell Savage. Um, I know the Bucks are going to have their full wide receiver crew ready to go. That's a big play possibility. Savage has had uh, some issues this season in giving up big plays. Either it's poor tackling, bad angles, whatever the case is, he has looked suspect. Now Green Bay is going to need to see the best of him in closing down some of that space should Godwin or Evans get a big catch um, after the first yard marker. For me, on the Bucks side of things, it's going to be the six-year veteran Rakeem Nunes-Roches. Now Vita Villa is out for the season, broken leg. He has been a huge presence on this defensive line. I think he is probably the biggest reason why the Bucks have only surrendered 215 yards to opposing running backs. He handles he handled double teams, shutting down a lot of space in the trenches. And if Air Jones is wanting to have a big game, he's going to be looking at, hey, I'm going to run it up the gut because their nose tackle, you know, is is out. So Rakeem is going to need to show up and perform at least as well as uh, the the Bucks defense has 
performed this season. He needs to be consistent with that, I think, for them to slow down the Packers. And I don't know if that happens. Uh, for the Bucks defense, uh, since you were just there, I'm, I'm going to the linebacker core. I think, in general, the Bucks linebackers versus our stable of running backs. I guess that's just a technical term that everyone uses anymore. Because, uh, I mean, it's not just going to be Aaron Jones. It's going to be Aaron Jones. It's going to be uh, Gotta Catch Jamal Williams and uh, Tyler Irvin. Sorry, I'm a Packers fan. I got to throw as many Packers or random memes in there. Swerving Irvin. Uh, you know, coming out of the backfield as well. Uh, Levante David and Devin White are just going to be a, they, they're going to have to be all over the field in order to keep up with those running backs. And the thing is, is that Levante David is probably the best running or best linebacker that's been in the NFL for over 10 years that no one knows. Uh, I'm not just saying that because he's a former Nebraska Cornhusker. He's legit good. Could be an all pro candidate in most years and most people don't know his name. Uh, as far as the Packers defense is concerned, I, I'm thinking back to their their game, the Bucks game last week against the Bears. They got to the red zone consistently, but they only got one touchdown, and that was Mike Evans. I do think that Jerry Alexander is going to probably match up with him across the field. And if if we can force the Bucks to kick field goals. The Bucks. I mean, obviously, our defense is not the Bears' defense. The Bucks are going to need to do more than score 19 to win this game. I think we all know that. Uh, I definitely think uh, I'm. Uh, I'll go ahead and say my pick first because I don't think anyone's surprised. Uh, I'm a little bit biased, uh, but Tampa I also think the undefeated team. So I'm going to take the Packers to go get the upset win on the road in Tampa Bay. Um, Rogers has been playing crazy, amazing. Uh, I saw a, I think it was somewhat of a joke, but someone was like, Jordan Love should win NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year because of how Aaron Rodgers has played. I like it. This year, uh, he's had the biggest on-field impact of all all the rookie quarterbacks. Uh, Best clipboard holder. But, and I think he's technically the third string. We've got Tim Boyle as the backup. Oh, there we go. He doesn't even get to hold the clipboard, man. That's the... that's the that's the worst i guess he's do you even hold clipboards anymore do you hold the tablets i don't i don't know what people hold on the sideline anymore pad pad holder i think it's Uh, a different i don't don't know well sean are are you gonna to join me in uh, a a joyful go pack go here in a moment or are you gonna uh take the those pirates as my my daughter would call them the buccaneers so i fully believe in tb12 to lose this game to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I, I think that the Bucks actually give up uh, a decent amount of yards on the ground. Um, I think that the defensively, it's not that they're suspect by any means. Um, injuries are going, injuries suck. Injuries suck for everybody. And I just don't see the Bucks offense keeping up with what we're seeing out of the Packers offensive production right now. 38 points per game. That is a lot of points scored. I just I don't see the the Bucks really keeping up. Uh, if they make a couple of big stops, maybe get some big plays. Maybe uh, you know, God, maybe they get a pick six. I don't know. When's the last time Rogers threw a pick six? Do you know? I have no idea. Now, now 
No, I got to use the powers for Google. Where's Where's Travis when you need him? I know, right? Um, wow, he's only uh, he hasn't thrown very many. It's kind of funny, actually, looking at this. Um, but no, I, I. Long story short, this is this is the Packers game to lose. Uh, I feel. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers has only thrown two pick sixes in his career. <laughs> wow. Okay. That the, there's a reason why uh, we like to just put that goat image up near him uh, when we're on Packers Twitter. That's for sure. Sorry, Tom. Uh, not really. That being said, let, let's move over to our picks. Uh, picks are going to be weird because we're going to do some extra ones and kind of let Travis do an expansion draft of what's left. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, so uh, you're welcome slash you're not welcome, Travis, for the random picks that we are going to let you choose from. Uh, we will definitely say our first one will be lock and we'll pick another one to be a lock. Probably I'll, I'll share them on Twitter to let Travis draft those from there. That being said, Sean is going to pick first. I'll pick second. We're going to go through and eliminate all of the divisions, and then we'll jump back in for two wild cards each to get to a total of 12 games, which will mean that this is going to get ugly in a hurry because we have some divisional games this weekend, and who knows what on earth is going to happen. Uh, that being uh, one more thing, if you are unfamiliar with the spread, the minus means that they need to win by more than that, and the plus means that they can lose by less than that. Uh, for example, last week, the Dolphins plus nine and a half was a ridiculous spread that I was able to get against the 49ers, and they went out and trounced them. Sean is also familiar with it when he took the Titans plus eight and a half. They only need to be within, you know, a touchdown of the Bills in order to win, and they went out and won 42 to 16. Uh, so you should definitely listen to our picks. Uh, we sometimes nail them as much as we can. Sean, you are first up on the board this week. Where are you going, my friend? Uh, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I'm taking the Cardinals minus two and a half against the Cowboys. Cardinals minus two and a half, taking away the NFC West. Not really a surprise there because that is... I, I thought the spread was going to be bigger on that game, but... I did too. So that's the reason I'm like, that's... I mean, less than three. I, I I can't see that game being decided by less than a field goal. It just doesn't feel right to me. It it is early, and I was able to get these spreads from today before the game tonight. I'm going to take the Titans minus two in their battle against the Houston Texans this week. That's a good one. Uh, they're going to probably bounce back to earth a little bit, and my gosh, they they beat the undefeated Bills by almost 30. I don't think the Titans are going to look good or the Texans are going to look good, especially against that Brable defense. They are looking feisty. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's, uh, that's fair. Uh, so I, again, uh, this was also an, an early spread. Um, I am going to go ahead and take the chiefs minus three against the bills. Uh, I mean, they, yeah, the Chiefs don't have a Derrick Henry to, to bulldoze you. Um, but they're going to be able to score a lot of points other ways. And I, I think that the Bills proved that 
Man, maybe they weren't as as good as there. They aren't who we thought they were. Time for me to take a perennial pick against here in the pick section of our podcast every week. Uh, I'm going to take the Dolphins minus nine against the Jets, mainly because if you can pick against the Jets, you just do that. Uh, The Dolphins beat the 49ers by a lot last week, and the 49ers beat the Jets by a lot. Therefore, I think the Dolphins might potentially win this game by like 56 if that if that, if that hang mathematics works for me. Hang half a hundred. You suck because that was the next one I was going to take. I'm like, there's no way he takes that. I was feeling, <laughs> I was feeling confident. I was feeling confident. Well, um, that kind of leaves a bit of a, a weird case because there are what? We have the AFC North, NFC East. NFC, NFC North and North, NFC South. NFC South. Um, God, picking the NFC East is a it's just it's a disaster. Um, I am going to. Oh God, I really hate doing this. I feel so dirty. I'm taking the Ravens minus nine against the Eagles. Ooh, we picking against your own team. We can't we can't stop anybody? And I don't. I don't know what hope I have left, but man, it's. It's not a lot. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, take a pick that I already pretty much called out on the podcast earlier. Uh, I'm going to take the Lions minus three and a half against the Jaguars. Uh, I'm partially doing that because in general, I try not to pick uh, the team that I like the most because I'm a little superstitious about this section from last year when I would be like, oh yeah, of course the Packers are going to beat the Chargers, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this much uh the Packers like didn't show up that game <laughs> like let, let's not do those this year uh we'll pick the Lions and if I blow that one I have whatever it's the Lions so uh I'm okay with it in so the just cap to, fight <laughs> there you go so just to force Caleb to pick the NFC East uh I am going to right I, I hinted at it just a second ago that I am going with that interim coach bounce I am taking the Falcons plus three against the Vikings. It's not the best. It's not the best line, right? But something tells me that this is just this is just that type of setup, that type of story, and it makes Caleb pick the NFCs. The the worst thing about this is that you've already picked two of the games against NFC East teams that you could. So I'm stuck with only one option and having to pick. <laughs> the football team or pick the giants to cover you're welcome hey hey travis by the way this is one that you can totally draft from i'm sure that caleb will be okay letting it go who knows i've gotten better with some of my late picks than i have with some of my early picks lately uh i'm gonna take the giants minus three i i'm not gonna sit here and say oh yeah the giants are so good the Giants can definitely win this game by three. They showed up a lot better against Dallas than I thought they might. Uh, also, they're at home. Also, Kyle Allen. So, those are all good reasons. Uh, Devonta Freeman looked like a human that can run with the football, and Evan Ingram can catch even on a fake field goal. So, uh, we'll we'll see what the Giants do as they try to get their first. Someone has to win. So <laughs> we're saying the Giants might be that team. Well, we are now back to where all 
divisions have been picked. We have uh, essentially our, our wild card. I'm going to go ahead and go up to the AFC East, and I am taking the very, very uh, brutal line against the Broncos. I am taking the Patriots minus nine. Foxborough is a different environment. The Broncos have a one of the uh, worst quarterback situations in the league right now. Uh, I don't see how they score points. So, yeah, give me the Patriots minus nine. I think my favorite thing about that game is that last week you picked the Patriots and it was minus 11. So when I saw that it was minus nine, I was like, Sean's probably feeling pretty good about that one. I think he's going to take it. Uh, If you remember our power ranking segment, I have the 49ers as a basement team. I'm taking the Rams minus three and a half. I think it's Sunday night football. And I think Sean McVay is going to try to pull one of those, I'm a better offensive coordinator and coach than you are. Also, his team is way less hurt. Uh, Aaron Donald is going to be able to tear up the heck out of that 49ers offensive line. They only need to win by four. The Like, seven to three will do it, Rams. Uh, you don't even have to give up a field goal. So go out there and get me that win. I, I feel very, very solid about that being my first wild card. Travis is probably going to steal that. Yeah. Um, well, again, we're, so we're picking six games each. So that it eventually becomes like four games apiece. Uh, so I am going to, and, and I'm really torn here, right? Cause I don't think that the, the Bengals Colts line is super favorable, right? I feel like the Bengals are much better than plus eight, but God, I don't know how much, uh, I I am taking the Bengals plus eight. Uh, I think that a like more than than a touchdown seems just a bit off. I think it's actually going to be a reasonably close game. Uh, I don't see the Colts blowing them out by any stretch. And I think maybe if it was like plus six, uh, I'd feel more comfortable taking the Colts. But at plus eight, it's really tough sell for me. You're not you're not leaving me a whole lot to go with here. I know you've got um, uh, so I've got see, the you've Packers got, Bucks game that I've already said I'm super. You've got the Packers Bucks. You've got Brown oh. Steelers. Uh, you've got Bears got, Panthers. That's it. Those are the only three you have. Yeah, uh, I'm not loving it. Uh, yeah, I'm not loving it. Uh, you know what? Let me take an AFC North underdog. I'm going to take the Browns plus three and a half. Uh, they, they did really well last week and kind of surprised me and how they were able to put up points against the Colts defense that had been looking really good for the last several weeks. Uh, I think Stefanski is actually getting a lot more out of that offense than we had kind of ever imagined. It turns out Frank uh, Kitchens is a really bad coach. Um, I think it's a reasonable take because I was actually considering it because I think that the Eagles proved that, oh, wow, you can – you can actually score some score some points um, on this Steelers defense. If the Eagles can score points right now, and considering that I could probably start in about three different positions for them, um, you're you're probably going to be able to to surprise a few people. So I think that's a good I think it's a good pick. But actually, I, I take it back. If I think it's a good pick, it's probably not actually a good pick because there's a reason that I am choosing first right now. It's because I have not had the best track record with picking uh, against the spread. That's true. Uh, so no picks on Bears-Panthers or Packers-Bucks, even though we all pick the Packers to win. 
That's kind of funny. You know, uh, do you, do you want to give do you want to give Travis the option of taking either one of those? The option of taking those and erasing one of ours that is not a lock. So if he chooses to go with the unchosen, we will be posting those on Twitter whenever we get his his word on what he wants. And uh, definitely uh, make sure you check out the the safest bet tournament with the bracketeers on Twitter. Uh, we had a lot of fun partnering with them this last week. Uh, both of our bets that were in the championship won. So, and I mean, that was Cardinals minus seven against the Jets and Panthers plus two and a half against Atlanta. Clearly, we, we know some of it. And uh, the fans also apparently are, are good at this when they are picking what we picked. Uh, they got rid of some of the bad ones. So, <laughs> how about what I picked? <laughs> fair fair uh so again episode 63 of Brewery sports talk we are all wrapped up that was fun uh thank you for joining us uh like sean says hit us up on twitter at brody talk uh we'll be happy to have a, a lot of fun with you there don't care about the shade you want we just went over a thousand total listens so uh we're excited about that make sure you can uh, celebrate with us on twitter about that yeah, follow us on whatever podcast source that you use. Subscribe to us. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, I, I keep the Facebook page moderately updated, but we don't really see a lot of traffic through there. Twitter's more of the preferred social media presence for Brody Sports Talk. So definitely throw us a line. Throw us two lines. Uh, don't exceed the character limit. We're happy to entertain you. And hopefully we'll be seeing some Packers colors on there as of Sunday night. So again, my name's Caleb. He's Sean. We're signing out and y'all have a great rest of your day. Later.